Good morning, everyone. The scripture this morning will be taken from the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 19, and we'll read verses 3 to 6. Matthew 19, 3 to, through 6. I read. And Pharisees came upon, came up to him and tested him by saying, by asking, is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? He answered, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. May God add a blessing to the hearers, but also the doers of his word. In the early part of this year, we've been engaged in a series that deals with what Jesus said about a number of vital topics. We've talked already about what Jesus had to say about money and what Jesus had to say about his kingdom. We ought to think about what Jesus said about marriage. You know, Jesus himself was not married during his earthly ministry. Jesus lived and died as a single man. The Bible tells us that his bride is the church, the redeemed people of God, Ephesians 5, verses 22 through 25. But Jesus himself was unmarried, but he had some very poignant things to say about marriage. If you haven't already got your Bibles open to Matthew 19, you can just open it to that passage and leave it there. We're just going to explore this passage this morning, Matthew 19. We're going to be looking at the first nine or so verses this morning. Why should we pay attention to what Jesus said? Well, for one reason, because he told us that his words are going to judge us at the end of time, John 12, verse 48. We ought to pay attention to what Jesus said because no one ever spoke like this man, John 7, verse 46. Because Jesus himself said, if you abide in my words, then you are my disciples indeed. You shall know the truth and the truth will set you free, John 8, 31 and 32. Jesus told us that our words, his words, are going to be the standard by which we're judged. They are a badge by which we are shown to be disciples of his. His mother said on one occasion in John 2 verse 5, whatever Jesus says to you, do it. We need to take the words of Jesus seriously. And so on this occasion in Matthew chapter 19, you'll see that there were some Pharisees that came and they wanted to test Jesus. And in Matthew chapter 19 verse 3, they asked, Jesus, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for whatever reason? For just any cause, is that lawful, is that okay? So they're asking a question about marriage. And we would do well to pay attention to some of the things that Jesus says in response. As you're looking at this passage, I want us to notice this morning there are six really important principles about marriage that Jesus affirms in this passage. 
Six principles about marriage, about what it is, about what God thinks about it, and about what Jesus expects for his followers to, to hear and to adhere to. And so without further ado, let's notice, what does Jesus say about marriage? And by the way, we live in a world that has a very low view of marriage. People make jokes about marriage. They say, you know, it's, it's the old ball and chain. If we're doing anything with marriage, we're trying to redefine it as a society, to define it to be something other than what God intended for it to be. We're changing it. We have a low view of it. Jesus had, listen to me, a extremely high view of marriage. When it comes to the relationship between a husband and wife, Jesus held this to be a very, very critical, important relationship. Watch what he says about marriage this morning. In the first place, Jesus says, God is the one who designed marriage. Look at Matthew chapter 19, verse four. In response to the critics who came to test him about, is it okay to divorce your wife for whatever reason? Jesus answered, and the first words out of his mouth are, have you not read? Have you not read? Have you not gone back to the Old Testament and read what it says about marriage, where marriage came from, who created marriage? And the affirmation that Jesus is making here, God is the one who designed marriage. He is the architect of marriage. Brothers and sisters and friends, there is no legislature, there is no president or premier or king on this planet who has the authority to redefine what marriage is. We do not have that authority. No man does because the architect of marriage is God. We do not get to decide and to choose who is and who is not eligible to be married. That's not our prerogative as human beings. This is a relationship that is divine in its design and Jesus affirms that by saying, have you not read? And he takes his listeners, those that are hearing him, back to Genesis chapters one and two. The creation account, when God put Adam and Eve in the garden, God created the first marriage, the very first human relationship. It was not just a friendship, it was not just companionship, it was a marriage. God created them, male and female, so that they could be husband and wife. He's the architect. And we would be wise in our modern society and definitely so in the church of our Lord if we would listen to what the word has to teach about this relationship. Psalm, Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Ephesians 5, 22 and 23 tells us, 22 verses 22 through 33 tells us that Jesus and the church the relationship that Christ has with the church that is modeled in and mirrored by the relationship between a husband and a wife. Husbands, you wanna know how to love your wife? You wanna know God's will for the way that you conduct yourself in marriage? Look at the way Jesus treats the church and that's your model, that's your goal. Wives, you wanna know the way you ought to relate to your husband? Look at the way the church relates to Jesus. There's your model, there's your goal. All of us would do well to remember God is the architect. He designed marriage. But not only that, as you look back at the passage in Matthew 19, Jesus didn't just say God's the one who designed marriage. The passage says that God designed marriage to be heterosexual in nature. When I began teaching years ago, preaching years ago, this was not a point that necessarily needed a great deal of emphasis. 
years ago, a couple of decades ago. This was not a point that people, you know, that I would be speaking to would necessarily say, you know, I just, I disagree with that. That's not what I'm hearing every day in the world. But now we need to make this this distinction. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 19, verse four, he who created them from the beginning made them male and female. In Genesis chapter one, verse 27, that's where he's quoting. The scripture says that's the way God designed us. That's the way he made us. And there are some things we need to consider. God built gender into our bodies and he built gender into our bodies with marriage in mind. Do you hear me? God made us male and he made us female biologically and he did this with marriage in mind. He did this so that the relationship that was going to be enjoined between Adam and Eve would be a heterosexual relationship. Elsewhere in God's word, the Bible talks about one who lies with a man as with a woman as being an abomination before God. Leviticus 18 verse 22. In Romans 1, 26 and 27, those who practice homosexual behavior, they are far from God. It is an evidence that they have left him in their minds and their hearts, the Bible teaches. It's not the only sin that displays that, but it's one that the Bible says, this was never God's design for you. This was never what God intended for you to do with your body. In 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9, that's a passage worth reading. The scripture tells us, that some of the people who had become Christians in Corinth were formerly practicing homosexual behaviors. Such were some of you, it says, but you were washed and sanctified. You were made clean and holy because of what Jesus did for you at the cross. And they ceased living that lifestyle. Brothers and sisters and friends, marriage, the way God designed it is to be heterosexual in nature. Men and women marrying one another We do not have the right to redefine what it is. We do not have the right to say that it's anything other than what God the architect designed it to be. And incidentally, the Bible teaches brothers and sisters and friends that our biology is our destiny. If we would have God to be pleased, if we would live in his world and if we would please him, the way we are born biologically, whether we're born biologically male or female, that is our destiny. And if our feelings are different than our biology, our feelings are what needs to change, not our biology. It's the way God has designed this world. It's what God always intended. What is marriage? We ask Jesus, what is marriage? Marriage is a man and a woman, it's heterosexual. And your biology is fixed. Next, as you look at the passage and you ask the question, well, what did Jesus say about marriage? What does he have to tell us about what it's constituted by and what it's made up of? The Bible tells us, Jesus tells us that God designed marriage to be monogamous. Monogamous, one man, one woman for life. I was watching a television program not that long ago and there was a contestant on one of those reality shows and the contestant got up and told the judges very proudly, I am involved in a polyamorous relationship. And the audience cheered polyamorous. That means there were multiple people involved in this loving relationship at at home and this is what their their relationship was constituted of. And the audience went crazy. They clapped and they cheered and they stood up and they said, this is great. You could tell by their enthusiastic response that this was something they wholeheartedly approved of. 
God says, Jesus says, marriage is designed to be monogamous. One man loving one woman and they love one another for life. That's it. And there is security and there is sanctity and there is protection and there is safety that is found in that kind of relationship. It's the way God built us. It's the way Jesus affirms that marriage is supposed to be. He goes back to the Old Testament book of Genesis again and he talks about how God made them male and female and then watch this. Therefore, a man, one man, shall leave his father and his mother and shall hold fast to his wife. And notice this, the two shall become one flesh, verse five. Two people becoming one. That's what marriage is. It's not multiple people. And it's not people getting together and then breaking up and then coming together in a new relationship either. It's not that either. It's a monogamous relationship. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 31, the Bible again talks about the two becoming one. It's God's design. And when people ask Jesus about marriage, you know, these weren't the things that they were specifically asking Jesus about. But isn't it fascinating that in a world today that is so mixed up on so many of these questions, that the way Jesus responded to one question about divorce was to affirm so many other things about what marriage was always intended by God to be. There is divine design in the way scripture is written for us and recorded for us. What did Jesus have to say about marriage? What did Jesus have to say about marriage? Principle number four, God designed marriage, Jesus says, to be intimate. The two shall become one flesh, verse five. Genesis 1:28. God told Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply. Ephesians 5, 28 and 29 tells men especially that we are to love and to cherish our wives as our own bodies, our own flesh. There is a relationship that God has built called marriage and it is the only relationship where sexual expression is authorized. Just because two people are dating and just because two people are in love does not give them license to express themselves sexually with one another. It just doesn't. Without the bond and the commitment and the promise and the vow of marriage, it is wrong. It's sinful. For people to lust after one another and go after one another, for those things to happen outside of marriage is not God's will for us. It's only in marriage that God ever says that two become one flesh. It's only in marriage that God ever says that we ought to love the other person as our own body and cherish the other person as our own body. It's only in marriage that those things are said. And it's incidentally something that we ought to think about husbands. If you're not romantic with your wife, there is no other legitimate outlet in her life for romance. Wives, if we're not romantic with our husbands, there is no other legitimate outlet in his life for romance. Think about that. The intimacy that's enjoyed in marriage is unique to marriage. It's exclusive to marriage. No place else. What does Jesus affirm about marriage? As you continue in the passage, he talks about the two becoming one flesh. And then he says this. He says, what God has joined together, let not man separate, Matthew 19, verse 6. God designed marriage people to be serious and to be sacred. He designed marriage so that we would have a serious view of it and a sacred, a holy view of it. 
It is not time after we get married to start wondering if we married the right person. Don't do that. Once you have said, I do, once you have joined yourself to this other person in a scriptural, legitimate relationship, you live with the decision you've made. And that also means that those of us who may be looking for a mate ought to think about some things. This is a serious commitment we're making. Amos chapter three, verse three, the prophet asked, can two walk together unless they are agreed? One of the things we're doing on Sunday nights with the kids sing is asking the children a question. When I grow up, who am I going to marry? And the response that we want the kids to give is, when I grow up, I'm going to marry a Christian. Really, we want them to marry a faithful Christian. And you know what? Somebody might say, well, but I don't read in the Bible where it's necessarily a sin for someone to marry a non-Christian. And I know a lot of situations where maybe it's worked out with people that have done that. Fine, well and good if that's your position, but I wanna tell you something. Marriage is hard enough when it's two faithful Christians trying to work things out. And we need to drill into our young people's minds and their hearts the idea that I need to look for a Christian when I'm looking for somebody to marry. I need to look for somebody who loves the Lord and loves him with all his heart, soul, mind and strength because two can't walk together if they're not agreed. It is a struggle and there are people in this room who can tell you what a struggle it is to live with a spouse who's not a Christian. Marriage is for serious minded people. Young people, there'll be a time in your life where you'll you'll say, you know, I just need to find myself. I wanna explore and sometimes young people get out of high school and they don't know what they wanna do with their lives and I'm gonna try and figure out what I wanna do and I may take some years to do this. I wanna tell you something, young people, when you say I do, it's time to stop trying to find yourself. It's time to get serious about loving another person and providing security for the other person. It's time to commit to the relationship. Don't say I do if you're not ready to do that. It is a serious commitment. Ephesians 5 verses 2 through 5, the Bible tells us, it warns us about making a vow. When we make vows, God takes those seriously, even if we don't. This is serious business. In 1 Corinthians 13, 11, the Bible says, when I became a man, I put away childish things. When we commit to marriage, it's time to put away childish things. What God has joined together, Jesus says, let not man separate. Jesus, what do you think about marriage? It's serious business. It's a sacred commitment. God joins these people together when they say, I'm gonna love you as long as I live. We're not to pick the lock. We're not to try to separate those, those, those people in that relationship. What else does Jesus say about marriage? As we look at Matthew 19, they, they continue to talk to him about this question of, well, why, why did Moses command people to give a certificate of divorce, Matthew 19, 7, and to send their, their wives away? And Jesus says in verse 8, he says, because of the hardness of your heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning, he's going back to creation again, from the beginning it was not so. And then look at verse 9, I say to you, Matthew 19, verse 9, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another, commits adultery. What did Jesus say about marriage? Jesus said marriage is for life. There's a principle 
And the principle is whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery. That's the principle. Incidentally, do a search on Google this afternoon if you like. Jesus said this at least five times in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, just like that. Whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery. At least five times you find that expression or some form of it, that principle, that's the baseline. Somebody divorces their wife and goes and marries somebody else, Jesus says it's adultery. It's sin, it's wrong. In Matthew 19, nine, he gives an exception though. The only exception. And the exception is, except for sexual immorality. The Greek word is porneia. And it has to do with any illicit form of sexual misconduct. It has to do with anything sexual outside of marriage. That's the exception. If you're married to someone and your spouse cheats on you, there's an exception to the principle above. Otherwise, there's no exception. What did Jesus say about marriage? He said, this is for life as long as we both shall live. That's what we often say when the preacher's standing up and, and, and reciting the vows and we're, we're saying these to one another, as long as we both shall live, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, that's how long I'm gonna love you. That's, that's the way I'm gonna love you. That's the commitment I'm making to you. And Jesus is saying, brothers and sisters and friends, that God takes this seriously and that God looks at divorce and then remarriage. After divorce, he looks at it through this lens. And if we want to be faithful to the words of Jesus, we have to look at it through that lens as well. Because he's our Lord. And because his words are going to judge us at the last day. And because his words are the words of eternal life. John 6 verse 68. You know, when people came and asked Jesus about this question of divorce and about what marriage is, they didn't realize that they were talking to the very one who invented marriage. How we need to listen and humble ourselves and graciously and lovingly talk to our neighbors and our friends about what Jesus says, about what God says concerning marriage. Did you know that marriages are the building blocks of nations? You can chart accurately a nation's future. You can chart its history based on the makeup of the family in that nation. Whether it's gonna prosper, whether it's going to decline, you can watch the families and you can know how the nation will turn out. The people of God are to be a leavening influence. We're to stand and to talk about what our Lord said about marriage and to stand for what marriage represents. And we are to be convicted about these things. It's not just a take it or leave it. Do I believe what Jesus believes? It's not, if you wanna follow him, these are the things we embrace. These are the things we affirm. These are the things we stand for. These are the things that we are willing to say, I will stake my eternal destiny on these principles because God has been clear about what he wants concerning marriage. May it always be the case that we as God's people, that we affirm what he affirms and that we love what he loves. This morning, maybe you're not a New Testament Christian and you need to become a part of the church that belongs to Jesus Christ. You wanna obey the gospel. Repent of your sin. Confess that Jesus Christ is God's son. Be baptized for the remission of your sins. It's through baptism that someone leaves the world of darkness and is translated into the kingdom of God's son. Colossians 1 verse 13. It's through baptism that we are born again. John chapter three, verse five. It's through baptism that we put on Christ. Galatians three twenty-seven. 
If you need to respond to the gospel invitation today, won't you make your way down the aisle while together we stand and while we sing.